We're now carrying around reusable bottles. We have drinking water in the office, in the campus, and then a lot of people have been using hydration products, and that is really growing. It's growing, almost doubling year on year. So the time is ripe now to say, look, you're already adding something to your water for kind of a very functional reason. You know, let's put something fun in your analogy. From NCPR, this is Northwards. People, ideas, and conversations from and about northern New York, Vermont, and beyond. I'm Mitch Tyke. Support for the Northwards podcast comes from Joe Steiniger and Mary McDonald in support of the Adirondack Foundation, building stronger Adirondack communities. Do you drink enough water? I don't drink enough water unless you count my daily iced coffee. And even then, I probably still don't drink enough water. And yeah, maybe you don't drink enough water either. A couple of guys in Burlington think they've hit on a way for you and me to improve our water drinking habits by adding not just some flavor, but also some fun. What they've created is called Plink, with an exclamation point at the end. It is, and I say this in the best way possible, drink mix meets Alka-Seltzer. That is, it's water flavoring that comes in a tablet and makes your water fizzy. But our story today isn't just about drink technology. It's about these two British guys who live in our part of the world, are trying to build a global brand from the ground up, and are trying to solve some problems a little bigger than just your water drinking habits. They are Max Luthi and Luke Montgomery Smith. I met them recently at Hula, a co-working space in Burlington, where the roar you hear behind us is a torrential rainstorm outside that started just as our conversation began. Max and Luke, hi. Thanks so much for meeting me. Yeah, our absolute pleasure. Yeah, brilliant. Glad to be able to just sit down and talk about what we're up to at the moment. So what are you up to at the moment? What was the issue you were trying to address by getting Plink to market? You know... I always wanted to, for a long time, wanted to start a beverage company and something was bothering me and it was essentially the recycling bin full of empty cans and and bottles. And just through my previous career, I was advising companies to decarbonize and reduce their packaging. And it just seemed like the drinks industry was still very much in the 20th century. So that's like a long-winded way of saying it felt like the way we were consuming beverages was wasteful. And Plink was a middle-of-the-night realization that I had uh, five years ago, and I had no idea how to create this company, which is uh, where my, my co-founder comes in. I previously have been working in beverages, and I love making great-tasting drinks, and I think nothing you know tops off a beautiful day like having a sip of a cold drink. But when I heard Max's idea, it was just so simple. I was, we need to get this out there in the world. I'd just been shipping a product across the country that was 99% water, basically, um, in flatbed trucks. And when it hit me, this bath bomb you could drink called Plink, I was like, why did we settle on cans and bottles as the best vehicle for having a beverage in this climate crisis? You know, there's got to be a better way of doing things. And I think the more that Max and I spent time together, this was during the the COVID lockdowns, we kind of riled each other up and we got really into it and we just realized how big and expansive and totally non-trivial the problem was, that it is fully global. So we sort of set about with trying to create this global solution and it is infuriating the problem. There are other drink mixes out there either concentrated liquids you can you can put into a drink or powders you can put into a drink where did the idea of doing this as uh, a bath bomb or or an alka-seltzer come in 
you know, I think for for me it was really fun. You know, I there's a company called Lush. Um, you know, who make bath bombs. And I was, I think I'd been studying for my job. I'd been looking at their yellow submarine bath bomb, which is this crazy psychedelic thing that turns different colors and spins around in the water. And just the experience of something effervescent dissolving in water is one piece of it. And the other piece is, and Luke can speak to, in more detail to this because he's a, he's a genius when it comes to flavor and things like that. But the, the fizziness, you know, gives you something um, that you don't get from a liquid concentrate or a powder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, my background in beverages is working it out as I go along. You know, I'm just a, I suppose someone externally would call me a serial entrepreneur. I spent years producing large scale events and festivals. And I, as I was sort of transitioning and falling out of love with a really wasteful industry, I fell in love with kombucha in the US. And it was just this really exciting product that was kind of almost alcoholic and really interesting and made your gut feel good and my wife and I launched a kombucha brand in the UK and started producing really high quality kombucha Um, and at the same time we set about doing that kind of at scale so we set up a contract kombucha business as well and started really getting into the dark arts slash science of creating great taste so really just like trial and error is how I got into it and just enjoying the process of really trying harder and pushing for better tasting products and when Max told me about the idea why specifically this bath bomb is because I did a deep dive into effervescent tablet technology and I just became increasingly excited about how little innovation there was in the space (laughs) no one was bringing that just desire for it to taste good to be fun i mean in the 60s there was the i think at one point it was the number two best-selling beverage and like baby boomers love telling us when we when we tell them what we've created they say have you heard of fizzies you know and fizzies were like that's an incredible product in in many ways it's very much ahead of its time i mean actually it's interesting a lot of the consumer packaged goods companies solved these challenges decades ago right they can make detergent in powders they can make it in tablets Um, it's really consumers the psychology we like the big plastic bottle full of liquid and so Procter and Gamble and Unilever that they make the bottles bigger and more plasticky and shinier and you know that's kind of the mess we've gotten ourselves into and particularly the beverage industry you're just conditioned to think that's how you hydrate. And the beverage industry, the three biggest beverage companies in the world are the top three plastic polluters in 87 countries. And they've held that record for five years. So really, it's not necessarily the beverage companies that haven't wanted to do this. There, there hasn't been the demand, so there has been no, no need for them to change. Exactly. I think in, in many respects, what we've realized, why, why, this is, why the time is now. Why bring fizzies back? <laughs> it's not just the environmental movement. You know, we benefit from the sort of Nalgene generation. You know, the most found item on a college campus is a hydroflask, like in the lost and found. The kids today and even grown-ups don't go anywhere. They don't go to the office. They don't go to the gym. People call it their emotional support bottle. So we're now carrying around reusable bottles. We have drinking water in the office, in the campus, etc. And then a lot of people have been using hydration products like Liquid IV and Noon. And that is really growing. It's growing, almost doubling year on year. So the time is ripe now to say, look, you're already adding something to your water for kind of a very functional reason, you know, let's put something fun in your Nalgene. You know, you deserve it. 
this could be your beverage experience as yeah. you're hydrating. You don't need to be going cracking through plastic bottles and cans to get that. You can just add the joy to your water. Well, so without getting too food science geeky, uh, you had this epiphany yeah. that you could essentially bring the fizzy back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How did you approach the problem of actually like, doing this and, and creating the product that's in these, these little packages? Um, I did a, just researched effervescent tablet technology. And on a very basic level, it is sodium bicarbonate and citric acid. And when you mix those two things in water, you get a lovely bit of clean chemistry. You get a chemical reaction where you're left with positively charged sodium salts, which are your active electrolytes, carbon dioxide, which is the effervescence, the sort of natural fizz, and excess H2O. So it's a really lovely, clean product. Once I realized that and started looking at the ingredients lists on all of the other brands, I realized there was an opportunity to start stripping out all of the other elements that aren't necessary to be there and just pack back in things that will create a joyful beverage experience. So I had previously worked in liquid flavors where I could, you know, just keep tweaking ginger and turmeric levels to make the perfect drink. And I had to change that in powdered flavors. It's very different. You have to get the juice, freeze it rapidly, extract the flavors in the scents and bind them to a maltodextrin. So I had to retrain my palate. Um, But fortunately, across the years, I've made some incredible friends and contacts. So I suppose just trial and error is how we develop the product. And then once we had decided to move to our operations to Burlington and to the US and I had knocked on the door of hundreds of effervescent tablet contract manufacturers and had most of them shut on me because I was trying to do it without plastic. One contract manufacturer believed in us and then it was like we had to start again because they actually had some incredible um, their own formula that they brought to the table, which was better than ours from a stability point of view, but then we had better flavors. So we then had to play around with how can we bring the flavor in without affecting the performance in glass? And it was not easy. And it ended up, uh, Biden reopened the borders on the 8th of November. And on the 9th of November, Max and I were in the lab and we locked ourselves in a windowless room for 48 hours, just iterating constantly to try and get the flavors right. And fortunately we got there and let ourselves out of the lab. <laughs> Luke's um, like journey to, to building a business in Vermont looks like the beginning of like an Indiana Jones movie where the airplane, you know, leaves the red line across the map. He, he moved his family. He sold a houseboat, him and his wife and two daughters were living on, uh, on the Thames and uh, moved to Sweden and then waited for his visa to clear and moved to Vermont. It's a really unusual way to build a business. Aside from wanting to eliminate the the waste, the the plastic Mm -hmm. or the aluminum um, or even the glass uh, from the beverage creation, what were you trying to accomplish with the drink itself? What are people looking for when they drink Plink? It's a, it's a great question. And, and it, you know, it kind of varies by people. For some people, it's really, they are, they have a real personal goal to consume more water. And we help them do that. Like there's people who, it's funny because as founders, I think both of us actually like plain water as well. <laughs> but there's people who hate plain water. And, you know, we, we help them hit their hydration goals. Um, that's probably the less romantic side of the spectrum because, you know, we, ha- we have loftier goals than that. Like for us, uh, we love it when it's a treat. Because it has electrolytes, 
you know, there's many different reasons to to hydrate better. Just a long day on Zoom calls or being a busy parent chasing children around or you did yoga in the morning or you're a little bit hungover. Um, but often it's really the, the kind of core use case for us where I think we're probably happiest when people are plinking for the flavor and the, the experience. They want to. I think what's really interesting is like, why why do we obviously we eat and drink to stay alive but beyond that we're out of survival mode we do it because we enjoy it and one of the things that we were really excited by was like what about the function of joy everything started to feel very much like if my instagram feed makes me think i have to have 30 different tablets a day and all kind of nootropics and i've got to drink mushrooms in order to, to keep up with the rest you've got to drink mushrooms you've got to blend your kale you've got to shake all, your all of these your oils up i don't even know it's like there's a lot of yeah there's a lot of joyless and sure it's aspirational and all this stuff but it's like what about just having a drink and i think we loved you know max was really passionate about beverage marketing and we love the bigger beverage brands just all are based around sharing a moment and joy and we wanted to to bring back that slightly less functional feeling around beverages and when we are most happy we find people plinking just because they felt like it everyone has beverages that are attached to time and place like orangina i think is really for for a lot of brits is like really much associated with when you're on vacation and the feel of the the kind of textured glass bottle and the flavor and I can just, I can tell you where I'm sitting when I'm having an orangina. It's not here, you know. And there's so many different beverages like that in our in our lives. So I think that that is a combination of the product. It's a combination of the storytelling around the brand, and it's just a really fun place to be in. Like you, when we show up at a we show up at a bike race or at a kids soccer tournament or whatever it might be with our product. Um, I, I think we do radiate joy. Well, so I'm curious, I mean, you know, this was, you were developing this while the pandemic was going on and, you know, without getting too heavy, there seems like there's some catharsis wrapped around, like, enjoying something Mm. that you might otherwise, you might otherwise take for granted. But, but that, and that was, that was actually explicit. We did talk about that. We did say now is a no better time to bring a really joyful brand to market. Yeah. It's a time to just to celebrate something that ha- that can be positive on so many different levels. And we have this slightly lofty, almost heavy, big ambition about changing the way the world consumes beverages. But we always knew that we couldn't beat people over the head about the fact that they tr- like drink a bottle of Coca-Cola. So how can you do it? Is you just inject joy yeah. and bring add to people's life experience and bring that through this product no that is a great observation i think um i think it's part of what makes it satisfying and energizing for both of us like i think we we would if this was say like the elite performance drink for you know like some crazy serious hardcore product that just was taking itself so seriously i think it would be harder to this is it's hard to build a beverage company very very hard i might have underestimated that and if I wasn't waking up and it wasn't almost this warm, glowing presence, you know, that has this magnetism of like, let's have fun together, uh, I would find it a lot harder. We hear a lot that the beverage industry is really hard. What makes it so hard? Why, why is it t- such a tough nut to crack? Building a brand is hard from scratch. Beverage is particularly hard for a number of reasons. One of them is that the business model is actually has slightly been broken by the fact that it hasn't been innovated for so long. So it is a low margin product that is very heavy 
and has to be shipped around on pallets and flatbeds around around the country. So that suits the incumbents, the big brands that have those distribution lines and makes it harder to break for the smaller businesses. But that's another reason why Plink is so exciting as a business, because we have a product that is, you know, it's 99% less packaging because there's no water in it. It's so much lighter. You know, you can, it You're is not, the tenth of the truck. And we're not competing for fridge space, which yeah. is one of the like most competitive spots. You know, you can put us like right by the cash register. You can put us, we're, we're pretty flexible. We're, you, we can, we'll go wherever you want. As long <laughs> as you put us in your store. <laughs> well, yeah, so, so what has been the biggest challenge that you either are still coping with or uh, you've managed to, to get past? I think um, we, so given my background, which was a lot about advising other companies on brand strategy, uh, you know, for me, there was a lot of learning about what sounds great and convincing on paper. You know, when you model out your customer acquisition or you model out your growth strategy, et cetera, then you're faced with the realities of, you know, the actual cost of goods or finding a distributor or finding a retailer or winning over the right price point or your website, you know, it's just real life. You know, it's basically, it might sound good on paper, but actually executing it just, it's, it's a grind. And I think, you know, especially when we're both very ambitious with this business, we want it to be a global brand. You need to celebrate. We have so many wins under our belt at this point that we need to celebrate them, even though we feel like we're at, you know, 0.5% of the way through where we're aiming to get. With this business if we can make people happy without destroying their health that's a pretty big goal is on top of the environmental benefits yeah max luke so, thank you both so much uh and best of luck thank, thank you thank you I, it's been a pleasure I, I see it as a positive omen that our our tagline is you bring the water and we've been doing this recording in a torrential storm <laughs> i think that says good things for the yeah, future i believe so too Max Luthi and Luke Montgomery-Smith. They're the founders of a Burlington-based startup company called Plink. You can find out more and see some Plink in action at ncpr.org northwards. That wraps up another edition of Northwards. I'm Mitch Tyke, and I hope you enjoyed our interview. If you haven't subscribed yet, I hope you'll do that right now and get new episodes delivered to you every Friday through Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. And sign up for the weekly Northwards column and newsletter while you're at it. Learn more about all of these things at ncpr.org northwards. Northwards is an NCPR podcast production. The program is written, recorded, and edited by Mitch Dyke with digital production supervision by me, Ethan Shanty. Music by the Wickmore Jazz Trio of Plattsburgh. To support this show and find more podcasts, visit ncpr.org. This is NCPR North Country Public Radio. Mm-hmm.